we give you glory where glory is due, Lord God. Glory to you in the highest, Lord God. You are seated on the throne above all things, Lord. You are sovereign. You are a king over all kings, Lord. There is no one else but you, Lord God. You are so faithful, Lord God. We seat you in heavenly places. We turn away from the things that distract us. We turn away from things that pull us down and away from the cross, away from truth, and away from the glory and the mercy of you, Lord God. We thank you, Jesus, for everything that you have done for us. And we give all glory and all praise and all honour to you, Lord God. In your precious and holy name, amen. morning it has been already it has come to that time in the service where we say goodbye to the young ones as they are released to uni hill kids and as you take them through to the back and get them all signed up and everything where we have some time of connection with one another Find your seats again. It's good to see a church that's so chatty so we can continue this all after the service, community and connection. Wonderful. It's good. Engagement is good. Who's excited to be in church this morning? I know that I am. I know there are great things in store as the service continues. Just a couple of quick announcements. Um, all our programs and everything are back in recess. And this Wednesday, the 4th of March, Freedom Fellowship is back. 
This is an incredible ministry for those who are mature in heart and also in age. They're going to have a fantastic time at a BYO picnic at the Yan Yin Reservoir this week. So again, this is Wednesday, the 4th of March, 10.30. They're going to be meeting at the Rotunda near the caretaker's home, 10.30 sharp. So if you wanna be a part of that, go and see Pastor Irene. She'll be hanging around after the service to answer any questions that you have, if you need transport, how long the day's gonna run for, and if you need to bring anything to that one. Exciting times. We also have, just for more general information, our website. If you haven't already checked it out, I know that a lot of time and effort and stress has gone into this incredible website, but that is the digital hub of Uni Hill Church where you can find out anything that you need to know, programs, connect groups, um, any events coming up in the life of the church. So if you haven't already had a look, definitely go check it out. It's a great way to invite new people as well or express interest in different teams um, or anything that you might have questions around. All the information is there. We're going going to come around a time of giving now. So I'll let you guys prepare what you need to. If you prefer to give online um, or via credit card, there are credit card slips in front of the chair pockets in front of you. And if you need a pen to fill them out, just raise your hand nice and high because one of our hosts would love to get that to you. Matthew 6 verse 25 to 26 says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, drink, about your body, what you will wear. Is life not more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they are? We don't give our tithes to receive something in return. It is not an exchange that happens. It's an opportunity to realign our hearts with God's and to give Him the first of what He's already given us because we don't own any of it. It has already come from Him. We give knowing and trusting that He's going to do so much more with, what it, with our provision than what we can with ourselves. He cares about the birds. He cares about us so much more. And He looks after us. He knows our needs. God is so faithful to provide. So as we give today, let's give with faithful hearts, not for an exchange or to get something in return. But knowing that despite our current circumstance, our situation or that bank account balance, that He will provide your needs because He loves you and He cares for you and He knows what you need before you know that you need it. Let's take our tithes in our hands as we pray together. Lord God, we thank you for everything, God. And as we've sung this morning, we thank you that you are sovereign. We thank you that you are holy. Lord, we thank you that you know each and every person's needs in this place today, Lord God, and that you know them so intricately, Lord, that you already know solutions to problems. You know our emotional needs and our financial needs, Lord, and you hold them in your hands and you say, it's gonna be okay, just trust me. So Lord, we trust you with our finances. We trust you with this week. We trust you with our families. And we just give it all to you, God, knowing that you will provide because you are faithful. But beyond that, Lord, you love us so deeply and you care for each and everything that burdens us and weighs on our hearts. Thank you for your faithfulness, Lord God. Amen.
there are containers on the left-hand side of every row. So if you pass them through to the ends of the aisles, the host will collect them for you. It is now my pleasure to introduce not only a friend, but an incredible woman of God who has prepared an amazing message for us this morning. So why don't we give a big round of applause for Jasmine. Thanks, Talisha. Hey, everybody. How are you going? My name is Jasmine. If I haven't met you yet, I would love to meet you after the service. Um, I've been coming here with my beautiful husband, Steve, for nearly five years, which is amazing. We just love this church so much. Um, yeah, it's just a, such an amazing place. But I want to start off this morning telling you about someone special in my life, and it is my grandfather. Now, my mum's side of the family is Greek. So in um, Greek, we say papu means grandfather. Is there any Greeks in the house? It's a couple. Hey, guys. <laughs> Hi, mum. So my papa lives down the road, but you would actually think that he lives out on a farm in the country because in his backyard is every type of vegetable under the sun, every fruit tree, and so many different varieties of birds. Does anyone else have a relative like this in Laylor? Maybe, yes. Okay. It's great. We go there and we get like a food box. You know, we don't need a subscription. We just get the food box and then we come home. But he's amazing, an amazing man. And a few weeks ago, we celebrated... Um, He's my Bapu and Yaya's 60th wedding anniversary, which was just incredible. Um, and as we um, had a little bit of a cake and he got up to say a few words and he said, listen. And he says to everyone, he's, he's a passionate man. It sounds a bit aggressive, but he's just so passionate. And he said, I came here to Australia with just myself, with my wooden suitcase. It was just me. And now look at us all. And there was about 40 of us there that day it was amazing and God has given our family an amazing heritage through my papu and he was telling me I was at his house the other day and he was telling me the story about when he became a Christian and he walked into this church and heard the gospel message and he walked out of the church a completely different man his life was instantly changed and some of the things that happened was that he was a really uh, heavy smoker and a gambler and he walked out of the church and he put the cigarettes in the bin and he never touched them again. He said to God, I'm never going to pick these up again. And he hasn't. And it's been nearly 50 years. So I don't know if you've had a radical transformation story or maybe you grew up in the church and then made your own decision to follow Christ. But you might have seen the power of God at work in your lives, changing things in your life. Things that used to be normal are now gone and replaced with God's ways, which are the best ways that bring us life. But what happens when we've become Christians a long time ago? Maybe you're a few years in or a few decades in. Sometimes we can become stagnant in growing in the things of God and growing our knowledge in God. We can come to church and worship. We might do our little devotional every day. But do we stop and have a checkup on where we're at and to see if we are actually growing and continuing to being changed to see if the fruit of our lives is actually matching up to what's in God's word things like our behavior and lifestyle choices even relationships can be totally unchecked as we go on in our busy lives and our intentions can be really good we make it an effort to come to church or go to a connect group we might spend our um, commutes listening to amazing podcasts and learning that way but 
we can still remain unchanged. And I reckon if there's one thing that wakes you up to the fact that you, there's things that you haven't changed, it's fasting. Um, it gives you a big checkup. I don't know if you guys can relate as we've just come out of season of fasting, but I know I have really been challenged about some of the um, patterns of behaviour in my life. Because, you know, when we fast, we can see where our true devotions are. We can see where our hearts, um, what they yearn for the most. So this morning, we're going to have a look at um, the book of Colossians, chapter 3, if you want to open up. And here we're given a reminder to set our minds on the things that are above, to put on our new self and be renewed in the knowledge of God. So a little bit of background. Paul writes this letter to the Colossians. Now, these people were Gentile believers. He hadn't met them before, but he'd heard about them through his co-worker. And what is he, he's doing in this passage is encouraging the new believers in the new way of living in Christ. And he warns them against outside influences. You see, they were just trying to figure out their faith and they genuinely wanted to please God. But they were still living in this culture full of false teachings, old traditions and superstitions. It's not too dissimilar to our culture today. Paul hears about this genuine faith they have and he encourages them, but also gives them some warnings and instructions about how to live in Christ. So as we go through the passage, we're going to look at three really important parts of our lives, our behaviour, our feelings and our thoughts, and ask ourselves if they line up with the things above. So we're going to start off easy and then go deeper. Is that good? It's good. All right, I'm just going to pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you that we can come together this morning and gather around your word. Holy Spirit, we just pray that you would open our hearts and soften our hearts to take in your word and whatever it is that you want to say to us this morning. We thank you for the power of your word. We just ask that you have your way here this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So, the Colossians had become Christians. They were saved by God's grace, by what Jesus had done on the cross. And Paul is reminding them that as a result of this, their lives should look different. They should look different to what they used to look like and they should look different to the people around them who weren't Christians. It wasn't about works. It wasn't about trying to earn their salvation. But it was a natural result of a life that was now surrendered to God. For example, think about a gym membership. I can sign up to go to the gym, but that doesn't mean that my biceps are going to grow. There are plenty of people who pay lots of money every month to go to the gym and not much is really changing. Just because you've got the membership card, it doesn't mean you're going to look like Jackie. <laughs> she puts in the work. It doesn't mean that you're an active member with a body that reflects that you go to the gym. And it's just like that for our relationship with God. Just because we go to church or even just call ourselves Christian, it doesn't necessarily mean that we look like Christ. Let's jump into verse 1 of chapter 3. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. So Paul is saying that because we were raised with Christ, we should act just as Jesus did when he was resurrected. He lived with the power of the Holy Spirit 
and his focus, his devotion was on God and being with God. So then let's look at the next few verses, starting from verse 5. And Paul here is describing the life that we have died to and is calling us to live a life that reflects God's image. So verse 5. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. But now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge in the image of its creator. We're challenged to put off this old self in all areas of our lives. So this morning when you went, to get dressed for the day and opened up your wardrobe, you might have seen some clothes in there that are from a different time in your life. Maybe they were too big. Maybe they were too small. But maybe they were just from a time long ago and it's like, don't wear that. That's totally out of fashion. Don't wear that anymore. But, you know, sometimes we keep them in our wardrobe. We don't want to get rid of things that we've enjoyed in the past. We're holding on to them. They have a part of our identity and maybe even our security. But just as we would get rid of something that doesn't fit us correctly anymore, so Paul is saying, let's put off all the old habits in which we once lived. Paul says, don't just keep it there, but get rid of it. Don't hang on to it or put it aside for a rainy day, but clean out your wardrobe once and for all. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. Some behaviours may mark our culture or be standard in our culture. But for us as Christians, they are past tense. This phrase that he uses, put to death, um, it comes from a verb, which, mean, it, which is necros, and it literally means to make it dead. It's a really strong verb. It says it's not something that we put aside or try and control or suppress, but we actually need to get rid of it and exterminate it from our old way of life. Paul is saying that Christians shouldn't live as the world lives. I told you we started off easy, right? Maybe not. Um, sometimes these sins will occasionally mark our lives as Christians, but he's saying it must not be a manner in which we walk, a manner of living, something that we're engaging in day after day after day a christian paul is saying cannot be comfortable in habitual sin and even though this book was written thousands of years ago if these instructions are given to us in scripture it means that there's something for in it in it for us today it doesn't matter if you've been a christian for five minutes or 50 years there's something we can all take from this what we do our behavior matters the way our relationships operate, the way we live, all of these things should point to Jesus. And it's not just for a special few, people on staff or, you know, those people who are really, really good. It's actually for all of us. So first point, our lives should look different. So Paul calls the believers to put these things to death. Let's look at what he's talking about in verse 5. 
again. Put to death whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires and greed, which is idolatry. Sometimes we can read this, these lists and they seem, well, to me anyway, quite drastic. We can just kind of skim it a little bit. Like, you know, we know what things are godly and what things aren't godly, don't we? These sins sometimes seem really, really big, really bad ones, if I can say it like that. And as Paul continues in verse 8, he lists some things that we might regard as smaller sins and we might overlook them, but the message is the same. Verse 8 says, Rid yourselves of such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander and filthy language from your lips. These are things that come out of our mouths. Who's ever casually slandered, gossiped or put somebody else down? Or being unrighteously angry. You don't have to put your hand up, it's okay. Um, We all struggle with something. There's no one here that is exempt. We can call it a big sin. We can call it a little sin. It's all sin. Paul challenges us to put off our old self in every area of our lives. When I was at uni quite a while ago now, I studied psychology. And one of the first things that we learnt was how we feel about things determines um, our behaviour. So our actions or inactions, they're motivated by our feelings, by our emotions around something. But the thing about our feelings is that they're circumstantial. They can change depending on the mood, what sleep you had last night, a promotion or maybe just what you bought at the shops that day. But if our feelings are the things that influence our behaviour, it's really critical that we stop and take the time to assess our feelings. Where are they coming from? Are they speaking God's truth to me? Or are they telling me something totally different? Because our feelings can come and go, they can change, but God's word does not change. Is there anyone here who loves Netflix? I feel like that's all we hear about. Netflix, 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 Stan, Netflix. And I found this show, actually, I think it was on Stan or Netflix, but I found this show um, that I loved watching. Um, it had a really great storyline. It was really eventful. It had good music. I thought, this is good. I can have some me time when the kids are in bed and if Steve's out and watch my show, it's my time. So I started watching it and it was great. I enjoyed it. There was a few things that were maybe not great, but, you know, I thought overall it's pretty good. It's a pretty good show. But every time after I watched it, I just couldn't shake this feeling. I didn't know what it was. I was just like, oh, this doesn't feel quite right. And I couldn't pinpoint it. But something about my mood was a little bit different. Now, I know you might be thinking, you know, it's just a TV show. But something about it was clearly affecting my mood, my mind, and maybe even my behaviour. And I could see that there was a pattern And I started to get this gentle whisper because the Holy Spirit is very gentle. And he said, maybe don't watch the show. And I said, maybe I'll just keep watching the show. (laughs) I'm just being honest. And this was an ongoing thing. It took, took a bit of time, but being honest. In my eyes, I could just see the positives of the show. Anything good about it, I thought, that outweighs things that I might maybe not, sh- should not be watching. That's okay, I thought. And 
I give you this example not to say there's some shows you shouldn't watch and some shows you should and there's a list, I'll give it to you later, come and see me. It's not that at all. But I'm giving you this example to illustrate that sometimes sin has a way of not always looking obvious, but it's something that slowly, bit by bit, creeps in. When I had my first driving lesson, it was with my father-in-law. He taught myself and all my sisters to drive and obviously Steve. And the first lesson he gave me and he gives to everyone is that what you need to do is you need to, I want you to, he says, I want you to drive in a straight line, but I want you to look at the tree. So you look over here. So I, I couldn't do it. I couldn't drive in a straight line because what happens is if you're looking at point A, you're focused on point A, but you are distracted by point B over here, you will move even the tiniest bit, maybe just a tiny bit over to whatever you are focusing on. It's easy to get caught up in things like um, binge watching what everyone else is watching. You might not even think twice about what, what the show is or if it's great or whatever. Maybe it's things like joining in with um, chats um, at the office that are actually just pure gossip. Or maybe it's little things like calling in sick to work, probably because you stayed up late watching Netflix. But, just checking you're awake. But are we taking the time to check with all the things we do, what God has to say about them. You know, some of these things, like a show, it might not be evil. Some things might be okay, but some things will lead us to sin, even if they're not bad in and of themselves. Even things that are harmless can become harmful if we let them take the place that is reserved for God alone. A good question to ask ourselves, is, is this increasing my affections for God and connecting me to Him? Or is this distracting me and prompting me to engage in the things of the flesh? You see, the way that we feel about things is not always reflective of the way that God feels. I love how the message um, says these verses. In verse 5, it says, This means that we need to kill off everything connected with that way of death. Doing whatever you feel like, whenever you feel like it, and grabbing whatever attracts your fancy, that's a life shaped by things and feelings instead of by God. Spurgeon famously said that discernment is not knowing the difference between right and wrong, but it's actually knowing the difference between right and almost right. What is the truth and what is just next to truth? What's right, but what's almost right? You know, when we read these these lists of sins in the Bible and things that we might think are bigger sins than other ones or we read the words like this is uh, people are being like evil we can be think to think to think that's not me like I'm clearly not evil but I read this quote that explains why it's important to list the sins and I think it's amazing so as it's behind me I'll come up it is far easier to drift into a sin which one does not know by name then consciously choose one whose very title should be repugnant to a Christian. I'm going to read it again. It's far easier to drift into a sin which one does not know by name than consciously choose one whose very title should be repugnant to a Christian. When we don't know the difference between right and almost right, it's really easy to let sin creep into our lives. 
things can feel really good on the surface, that when illuminated by God's word, they're shown for what they really are. Maybe it's a show that encourages kindness and compassion, but is actually full of sexual immorality, anger and unforgiveness. A really good friendship, but where your conversations often just descend into gossip. A desire to be hardworking, but it's motivated by your love of material things. Or living a good and religious life, but one that's actually devoid of a heart that seeks after God. And one more, which I felt like God just brought to my heart, I don't know who this is for today, but um, a drive to be confident in who you are, so self-confidence, but that places self-empowerment above placing our identity in God. We are called to get rid of all the things that aren't part of the way God designed us to live. These things don't bring us life and they ultimately lead to a life without God. So maybe as I'm talking, you can think of some things that aren't quite right in your life. Maybe it hasn't been something you've been thinking about, but the Holy Spirit is beginning to speak to you. And maybe you need to name some of these things for what they are. So if you're taking notes, that second point is that we can't always trust our feelings. Sometimes things seem a bit grey. We don't know if they're right or almost right. But how are we going to know? How are we going to find out what's right and take that step of ridding ourselves of these things? Well, just like our behaviour comes from our feelings, our feelings come from our thoughts. Our knowledge, what's in our minds, and our understanding determines our feelings and behaviour. So whatever is in our heads... That stuff is really powerful. You know when you get glasses for the first time? I got mine when I was 21 and I put them on and thought, wow, there's so many blades of grass. I didn't know. Like you can see them all individually. You know what I'm talking about? Or all the leaves on the tree. It's like a whole, a whole new world. I nearly started singing again. Um, <laughs> I've got to do that. And my glasses are for long distance. So if I'm... Um, or past a meter, so if I'm watching TV. But I actually don't really wear them much anymore. I don't have a great need for them. But if I go to the movies or something, I can't see very clearly. Things are a little blurry. It's harder to distinguish between one thing and another. The lines aren't very clear, and it's hard to tell if things are exactly what I think they are. You see, the less time that we spend with God, the less we will know about the way that he wants us to live. There's no shortcuts here. But what I really love in this passage is alongside these warnings we get from Paul to get rid of these behaviours, there's actually a huge encouragement in there. And that is that we are to draw closer to God, to set our hearts and minds on the things above. And something really powerful happens when we do this. Maybe you had this experience when we were fasting and as you begin to strip external things away, your focus on God becomes clearer. So going back to that TV show I was watching, when I was fasting and spending that time bringing everything to God, it was a total no-brainer. I could see so clearly that it wasn't the best thing to watch. And what I wanted to do was just spend time doing things that would actually draw me closer to him. Fasting is just one way that we can see God's truth in any situation. It's about knowing God. And we can do this in so many different ways. Um, Colossians 3.10 says that we put on a new self, which is being renewed in knowledge according to the image of God. It doesn't say that we put on 
the new self and then bang, just had all the knowledge and it was all there. Or that one day when we meet Jesus, then we're going to just know everything. But it's saying we are being renewed. It's a constant thing. It's an ongoing process which God is calling us to engage in day after day after day. We might not feel like we are dead to sin, but we walk as if we are. And we make our decisions based on what the Word of God teaches us. Our knowledge should come from God. And we're getting knowledge all the time from everywhere. The media, our teachers, our workmates, family, friends. We get knowledge from podcasts and pastors. Or maybe it's your connect group group leader or mentors. We always need to stop and ask, is this the knowledge of God? Just because somebody has been given authority, it doesn't make them right. It's easier for us to get information secondhand. It is. I I love listening to podcasts and learning all these new things. Sometimes it's harder than going to the source ourselves. But we always have to critique what is being said. Does this add up to the truth of God's word? Are we stopping to second-guess this knowledge or are we just leaving it completely unchecked? Imagine your bank account, for example. You haven't checked it for a long time and one day you decide to have a bit of a closer look. To your shock and horror, you realise that over a period of time, that little amounts had been slowly disappearing. Little withdrawals here and there were slowly draining your account. You see, when we're engaging with things that aren't from God, they're actually taking away from our relationship with him. And when you stop and do a check, we might realise how much we have been spending out. But when we actually stop, and lift our eyes above, we can be given clarity again. So how do we know what is right and not right? Well, Scripture tells us over and over again that it's by the renewing of our minds, by coming to Scripture and hearing firsthand about the ways of God. Romans 12.12 says, 12.2, sorry, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, then you'll be able to know what God's will is. Even if you've read God's word, 20 times through cover to cover, there is still so much more for you to learn. In Hebrews, it says the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joint and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. I love how the message says that his word is as sharp as a surgeon's scalpel, cutting through everything. His word is powerful. It's actually living and active and it has something to say to you today, tomorrow and for all of the days to come. When we immerse ourselves with him, that is when we see clearly. We make space for him to give us his clarity and his spirit can wash over our thoughts, our intentions and actions. So we talked about when we focus on something else, we can deviate from God. But when we focus on him, when God is our sole goal, our focus, our aim, that is when we have a clear vision ahead, when we seek his kingdom first. In Romans, it says, have your mind set on what the spirit desires. This is not about a list of what not to do, but it's about what you are focusing on. And that should be devotion to God, his way above all other ways 
we could maybe, I don't know how you're taking it this morning, but we can read this passage as quite negative and, you know, make sure we've got to get rid of all these things in our life. And yes, that's, some of that is part of it. But it's actually about what we are putting on. It's reminding us to set our hearts and minds of, on God. It's like, you know, when you fall in love with someone, you don't have to carry a list of rules around in your back pocket with a checklist of what not to do. Like, oh, don't flirt with other people or don't go on candlelit dinners with other people. No, that's silly because your whole being is devoted to the one that you love. You think about them, you talk about them, you talk to them and you might even start to take on their traits as you learn more about them. Wherever your focus is, that is what you're going to hit every time. So as I was preparing this week, I had a real strong sense that there was two things that God wanted us to take action on today. So firstly, what is the last thing that God has convicted or challenged you about? You know that it's God and you might know that it's something you've got to get rid of and you can see that it's stopping you from growing closer to God, but maybe you're finding hard to let it go. The question is, what are we going to do about these things in our lives? The only way we can get rid of them is because of our identification with Jesus, the one who died and rose again. And if Jesus doesn't, didn't and want us to walk in those sins, then we're not going to either. And we won't be comfortable. And I felt for some people today, you might be thinking, like, I know this thing in my life isn't quite right and maybe not the way you want me to live, but maybe you're really struggling to give it up this morning. Can I say, you can be a Christian and you can love God and maybe you don't yet have the same attitude about things that He does. You might not understand it or like it, but the question is, what, what are we going to do about it? Maybe your step today towards God in this struggle is to give this thing a name, to call it what it is. You see, when we walk in repentance, we get grace. Wonderful, amazing grace. And over and over in the Word of God, we see His loving hand towards His people that says, if you will just humble yourself and come to me, I will meet you where you're at. It's about a posture that says, I'm not God, but Jesus, you are the Lord of my life, so I'm going to surrender to you. And today, you can do that. The other thing is, maybe God's been challenging you to go deeper with Him in an area of your life. I love in verse 4 of chapter 3 here, it says, Christ, who is our life. You know, we say about people, oh, music is their whole life. Sports is their life. Work is her life. But for us as Christians, my prayer for my, myself and for all of us here is that it could be said, Jesus Christ is their life. To seek the things above means that we go after them with desire and passion, that we would study His ways and let our hearts be totally engrossed by them. Maybe you feel like God's asked you to grow in this and maybe it excites you, this thought of knowing God even more. It might be in something like your Bible reading, or in your prayer time that you want to go deeper so that you're able to hear His voice more clearly. Or maybe it's to connect with those around you in something like a connect group 
or to be accountable to another person. I'm just going to ask you to all stand now as we close. If you can get the lights down, that would be great. Thank you. If God's spoken to you today for either of those areas, that there's something that you need to give up or put at His feet, things in your life that you know shouldn't be there and you want to give them to Him, or maybe you feel like God is calling you to go deeper in your relationship with Him, I'm going to ask you to respond this morning that we will take action now, not put it off to tomorrow or next week or another day. If that's you this morning, if you want to respond to any of those things, we're going to begin to sing and I want to invite you to come forward and our ministry team is going to come and stand with you and pray over you as you respond to the Holy Spirit. So if that's you, if you'd like to come now, just welcome you. thing I wanted to ask you this morning. You might be here feeling a bit sh- unsure about who this God is that we're all talking about. And you know, for those of us who call ourselves Christians, we believe that all the things that we've done wrong, the Bible calls that sin, and all of us could never measure up to stand before a God that is so holy and good. Because of this, the Bible says that we can't be in His presence because He can't stand sinned. The wrong things that we do, they have a cost. But the amazing news is that God sent His Son, Jesus, to pay the price for all that we have done wrong. God loves you so much, more than you could ever imagine. And He wants to invite you to come to know Him this morning. The Bible says if we declare with our mouths and believe in our hearts that Jesus is the one who saves us, then we can have a relationship with God, enjoying freedom from sin and a life with your Creator. So if that's something you want to respond to this morning, I'll just invite you to come down the front. It's the best, best decision that you'll ever make. So come down the front if that's you. And if you still wanted to respond to those other two things, we're just going to have a bit of time to pray this morning while we worship. The atmosphere is changed. 